Welcome to the podcast, The Stories in My Head. This is your host, Sarah Armstrong. Um, Welcome back. Um, We finished up with our last story, which was Kitui. I hope you enjoyed it. And we're going to do something a little different during the summer here. Um, It's kind of a lighter, not quite so heavy as Kitui or Adinkra. There's some mystery in here, but... It's more Hallmark movie-ish, like Hallmark movie and mystery, maybe. And um, it's called Harvest of Love. But there's some very interesting situations in it, and um, I think it's something that will pique your interest. So we start out with the very first uh, episode today. These episodes are probably going to be a little shorter than they have been in the previous two stories but um, I think you're going to enjoy them just as much. Some very interesting characters. So, let's get started. Episode 1 of Harvest of Love. Dory Miller tugged the collar of her coat closer around her ears to ward off the chilly North Dakota wind. Spring had officially arrived, but despite the bright sunshine, there was still a bite in the air. The town of Kenworth, North Dakota, had grown in the years she'd been away, but it was still, to her, small and stifling. The strain of her father's funeral showed in the way her expressive brown eyes were sunken in her nutmeg-colored face. She was grateful for her short, curly, easy-care hairdo. The rapid pace of the past few days left little time for rollers or curling irons. In the elevator, she straightened her dark business suit over her five-foot-four body, Uh, Dory never considered herself a beauty, but she did try to keep herself in shape. A tall, neatly dressed woman in her forties sat behind the desk in the reception area of the office of John Donovan. Her blonde hair was stylishly cut, and she exuded efficiency. 
She raised her eyes as Dory entered. I'm Dory Miller. I have an appointment with Mr. Donovan. Oh, yes, Miss Miller. Mr. Donovan has been expecting you. I'm Maureen Babcock, his administrative assistant. He will be with you shortly. Please have a seat. Dory removed her coat and sat down, grateful for the few minutes of solitude to compose herself. My condolences on the loss of your father, Miss Miller. Thank you, Miss Babcock, Dory replied. Will you be moving back to Kenworth to run the ranch? Doreen inquired. No, as soon as the will is read, I'm heading back to Denver. I know Mr. Donovan will be disappointed you can't stay longer, but I'm sure your career is very demanding. Brad Taylor was annoyed as he left the car repair shop. His coffee with cream-colored skin darkened by the sun contrasted strikingly with his sparkling white shirt. His soft but wiry dark hair, tamed by brush and mousse, hugged his perfectly shaped head. His shoulders seemed ready to break through the seams of his suit jacket, and his feet, encased in spit-polished western boots, moved briskly along the pavement. That's all he needed was to be late. Dory would be ready to explode. Brad hadn't talked to Dory much since her arrival. In fact, he went out of his way to avoid her. When they did speak, the conversations were short and filled with tension. Dory was becoming impatient when the door opened and Brad stepped in. He stretched and craned his neck, pulling at his tie. Uncomfortable and ill at ease in business attire, he was still a fine male specimen. Dory studied him unobtrusively. Hello, Dory. Sorry I'm late. I, I had car trouble. Hello, Mr. Taylor. Uh, good morning, Maureen. Rising from her desk, Maureen opened the door to the inner office and ushered both of them in. Mr. Donovan will be right with you. Please let me know if you need anything. Brad cleared his throat. <clears throat> My car won't be ready until tomorrow, so I'll have to ride back to the farm with you. No problem, Dory replied. Brad muttered, I just hope that city slicker sports cars of yours will get us home. Dory's voice went up several levels and she supplied, I am sick and tired of you snapping at me. You haven't stopped since I got here. Brad, I just buried my father. Have you forgotten that? No, I haven't forgotten. Wendell was like a father to me too. He gave me a chance when no one else would. I loved him and I love his farm, which is more than I can say for you. It's hard to believe you're even related to Wendell. Bad. Brad responded with contempt in his voice. Oh, please, Brad, Dory scoffed. Let's not hear the poor misguided boy from the wrong side of the track story again. My father gave you an opportunity to turn your life around, and you did. 
Just because I got a job in Denver and didn't choose to spend my life on the plains of North Dakota farming doesn't mean that I didn't love my father or that I don't know how much the land meant to him. If you want to spend the rest of your life plowing and planting as some sort of agricultural tribute to him, go right ahead. But don't blame me for having better things to do with my... Even though we kind of grew up together, I really don't know you, Brad commented harshly. Dory replied, that was a long time ago, Brad. Anyway, as soon as John reads Daddy's will, the farm will be yours and you can continue your life. I'll go back to Lady West magazine where I belong. Stuck up prima donna, arrogant, selfish brute. The door between the office and the conference room opened and a rich baritone voice said, Looks like I arrived just in time. What's going on in here? Hello, John, muttered Brad. Dory smiled warmly as she embraced and greeted John Donovan, her father's lawyer. His beige-red skin tones, bluish-gray eyes, high cheekbones, and long auburn hair worn in a ponytail, were a striking mixture of his Irish father and Chippewa mother. Let's get to it then, said John. He placed his Ben Franklin glasses on the tip of his nose and began to read. The first part of the will dealt with bequests to various charities, colleges, and friends. Dory sighed with impatience and Brad squirmed in his chair. John cleared his throat, looked up at Dorian Brad, and said, <clears throat> Now for the disposition of the farm. Uh, Wendell made some interesting provisions, so you both need to listen carefully. Dorian Brad both leaned forward in their chairs. Replacing his gra- glasses, John continued, I bequeath the land known as Miller's Farm and all the buildings thereon to Brad Taylor. Brad sat back in his chair, breathing an audible sigh of relief. John continued, And my daughter, Dorman Isabella Miller, in equal share. What? Dory exclaimed. Half rising from her seat, why would he do that? I don't want the farm. Dory exploded out of her chair and began to pace. I have a job and deadlines waiting in Denver. It doesn't make sense. Dad must have known I'd just sign it over to Brad. Brad opened his mouth to speak, but John Donovan cut him off, saying, If you let me continue, all will become clear. Please sit down, Dory. Dory slid back into her chair and gripped the arm as though expecting an earthquake. The lawyer continued. Either party may sell their share to the other owner for full market value or place their share on the market for sale. Other than selling on the open market, Neither party may convey any portion of their holdings to anyone other than their spouse 
to whom they must have been married for six months. If either party should die before they sell their share or are married six months, their portion will fall to their children, if any, or be made available for possible auction. As a final provision, both parties must live on the property until their shares are either conveyed to a spouse or sold. Brad and Dory stared at John. The room was enveloped in stunned silence for what seemed like an eternity. Finally, Brad found his voice. Now, let me get this straight. The only way I can get the entire ownership of the farm, that is, get Dory's half, is to pay the full market value to her or stay married to me for six months, Dory completed. Yep, that appears to be the only way. Brad continued, I don't have enough cash to buy the farm. Dory puts her share on the market. Those developers will buy it up and, and build high-priced houses and condos. I couldn't hold out long if they owed 50% of the farm. Dad told me about the Provident Development Company. They approached him to buy the farm several times, and he turned them down. Neither of us could imagine wheat fields replaced by condos and golf courses and country clubs. The land and family history mean too much to let that happen, Dory answered. Can't we fight this in court, you know, contest the will, she continued. I can't stay here. I have a job in Denver. Job? Blad blustered. My whole life and Samantha's future are in jeopardy and all you can think about is your job? I'm not forgetting you and your daughter, Brad. You know I care what happens to you both. But I have a part in this too, Dory said defiantly. Maybe if you had stayed on and supported your father like you should have, we wouldn't be in this mess, Brad said. Now see here, Bradley Bartholomew Taylor, Dory sputtered, locking eyes with her attacker. Whoa, 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 hold it, you two. John interjected forcibly. Both of you, calm down. Dory and Brad retreated to neutral corners, and John continued. To answer your question, Dory, you can contest the will, but it would take time and money, and you don't have either one. What a mess. Dory and Brad spoke in unison. John broke the silence. This is quite a shock. Why don't you go home and think about this for a couple of days? I'll come out on Friday and you give me your decision. The sign on the building said Lady West Magazine. And the nameplate on the well-appointed office in the executive suite read, 
Lorna Mitchell, executive assistant. The woman seated at the desk is striking with dark hair, ivory skin, and violet eyes. Although she seems to be engrossed reading the magazine proofs on her desk, her mind is elsewhere. When will she be back? Lorna jumped at the sound of David Martin's voice. He is impeccably dressed and groomed as always. His smile exudes self-confidence, but Lorna sees the worry in his eyes. David, you startled me. I haven't heard from her this morning. They are reading the will today, so she should be able to leave right away. I hope so, David replied. The next edition must be ready in two weeks. Dory is the assistant editor and her place is here. She knows her responsibilities, David, but she must stay until her father's estate is settled. The ranch will be left to the foreman, Brad Taylor, and she'll be on the first flight to Denver, Laura stated firmly. David leaned on Lorna's desk. So she has no interest in her family home. Lorna looked directly at him. Dory doesn't want anything to do with ranching or farming or whatever it is they do there. She is completely dedicated to her career at Lady West. Don't worry. Well, now, isn't this an interesting situation? Dory Miller comes back to have her father's will read, thinking that their family farm is going to get left to the foreman, uh, Brad, only to find her father is put in this strange kind of condition that means that the only way that Brad can get the entire farm is to marry Dory and for them to live on the farm for six months. She has a job on a magazine in Denver. Uh, Brad has no interest in marrying her, although there seems to have been something between them at some point in the past. There was also talk about Brad's daughter. Was he married? Is he married? Where, where did he get a daughter? Well, I know where he got the daughter, but... How does the daughter figure into this? 
Well, lots of questions to be answered. And some very big decisions to be made by Brad and Dory about what they're going to do. Just turn the property over to these developers who are going to cut down the weed and build a resort. But the alternative is to get married. Sheesh. What a choice. Tune in next week for episode two of Harvest of Love. Thanks for listening.